They're checking Cherubin pots strewn strategically along the daily. Shatter boys are tying paternosters in preparation for the fray. Tinnies are being towed to target on the Arnhem Highway. Over in Gove, they're rigging up teasers for the big boys. There's an air of anxious optimism at harbourside boat ramps as launch time moves. And in the front bar of a top-end pub. So my theory is the CIA fake Marilyn Munro's death and they've got her stashed on Guantanamo Bay with Harold Holt, but JFK found out, so he had to go. Smith! Uh-oh. What's going on? More! Rob, 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 look at the time, man. Oh, Come no, on, we got to go. Get your bums in the boat and get on with it. Fishers and welcome aboard the Tinny on a weekend where our prayers have been answered. Yes, our prayers have been answered. But alas, it's like a poor distressed kitty who's been sending letters to Santa for six months and nothing happened until bloody February. Is it too late to ride the new scooter? Is it too late to play with the new... M-Box bloody PSD 3-5 thing? Is it out of fashion already? Have our prayers been answered too late, Fishos? There's a low, there's a bit of a monsoonal burst about to envelop the top end in its cuddling, warm, swaddling, moist arms. Motherly bosom embrace. A motherly bosom embrace into the womb of the monsoon we're about to go dear friends. Deep into the womb of the monsoon! But is it too late Fishos? Feels that way doesn't it Rob? It feels very much too late. This is what we'll be hearing well probably over the next few days at the ramp. Get it off! That's, That's the downside Rob. Let's celebrate the upside. Ah, can you feel the calm starting to... Well, actually, I can't. I thought this was going to be positive, but... And you and I have very different philosophies. Uh, You you want to kill all frogs as well as bush chooks, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I feel... But just, okay, blot out. Blot out the frogs, Tim. Listen to what's happening behind. Okay. Ah. Yeah, the rain coming off the gut is nice. But the cacophony of frogs of a night time with their lovemaking is, is a little bit difficult to sleep to. <laughs> Me and nature don't get along all the time, Rob. I mean, I know... Except you... when you see them down the sights of a, a rifle. Yeah, we, we get along fine in, in those cases. <laughs> if, there's a th- if there's a 308 between me and them. Not that that's necessary calibre for a green tree frog. I mean, a little 22 would almost be overkill. Probably an air rifle. Yeah, what you, am I like, saying? I don't want to kill the frogs. I just like them to enjoy the rain, but let me go to sleep. Anyway, it has been nice. A little bit of rain. The wind's going to be a problem for your fishing this weekend. Plenty of options, though. If there, if there are any calm windows, we'll have to wait and see how it travels. But we'll take you out to the Clash shortly on, on South Alligator with a couple of the big guns, uh, the Ayatollah of the DKVR and uh, Alex Julius. Out to Shoal Bay. 
which has undone a couple of high-profile uh, tinny church members. You'll enjoy <laughs> that. Undone hundreds over oh, the yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. You'll, in, you'll enjoy hearing that. It's the great top-end equaliser. It, isn't it what? Mm. Down to Tebs on the daily, round two, which was tough going and uh, contrasted to a couple of tourists who have come up and been nailing meteries. All really pretty tide-dependent by the sounds of things. And uh, over to the Tiwis as well on the tinny this hour. 13 raised, 7 hooked. 60 fish all up. You might land two. We caught 51 barrett. Tales from the tinny. The Ayatollah of the DKVR is straight outside of his parish to have a crack at the Kakadu Clash. So how is he going, do you reckon? Calling Ayatollah! Calling Ayatollah! Come in, Ayatollah! Sit rep required! From across the vast expanses of the wild and untamed top end, intrepid tinny correspondents risk rampage and ridicule from crewmates to bring you the truth. Incoming, incoming, incoming. Hi, I'm down here at the uh, South Alligator fishing the Kakadu Clash. It's the second morning. Thursday was the first day and uh, there was a fair few fish caught. It was pretty tough though. Team Naffa, we got a 72 centimetre barra. The biggest one in the comp so far was three right on 90. Field's pretty close actually. There's only six boats. I reckon that didn't catch a barra yesterday. So everyone sort of got on the board. Um, I'm here with Alex Julius. He'll give us a bit of a rundown on what he thinks that today might pan out for us. Well, as we discussed, Warren, this is the uh, closest Kakadu clash after the first day that uh, any of us can remember. And I think that's because the biggest fish caught, 90 centimetres, uh, is probably the smallest biggest fish caught on the first day. As you remember last year, the biggest fish on the first day was 102 centimetres. Uh, which you caught, Warren. Yeah, very lucky, <laughs> wasn't it? Naffa. <laughs> so, yeah, I think anyone can win it. If you, if you didn't catch a fish uh, yesterday, you're out of it. You really do have to catch a fish each day because in this event, it's the biggest fish uh, for your team each day and the three uh, add up to give you a total score. So if you can get a day with... If you have a day without a fish, you are definitely out of it. I think today most people will be fishing upriver, concentrating around Nalangi and perhaps some rock bars further upstream. As always in these comps, everyone's very sealed lip if they catch fish and very keen to talk if they don't. How's the river looking this year? Do you think it's um, been affected by the lack of the wet season? Well, less than I expected. I mean, the water clarity's not that bad. I think we've had more rain out here at Kakadu than we have closer to Darwin. Obviously, it has affected. There's no actual runoff that you can see, but there's still a bit of fresh pushing down off the floodplains at the top which is uh, helping maintain that water clarity and of course we're fishing into bigger tides each day so it's possible the bait will come up and if the bait comes up there'll be potentially some big fish too. What are our tactics for the day? What do you think we should do first up going on those bigger tides? Well I think we're just going to do what everyone else will be doing and that is working the upper half of the river. We've got some spots that worked for us yesterday and we'll go and uh, hit those again you know, trolling, casting, soft plastics, vibes, hard bodies. you just got to keep, keep working at it. And using the sounder too, I think, is really important. If you can see fish, you've got a sounder that's, that's uh, good enough to actually see fish on the side scan and the down scan, then uh, pay attention to it. Don't ignore it. Um, and that's what we'll be doing. All right. Good luck, everybody. 
I don't know how many times we have to relearn old lessons, Rob. Many, many, many times, Tim. When you <laughs> humans when, are simple creatures. Over and over and over and over and over again. And one of them is how to pick a good decky. You know, the relationships evolve over time where you know the man or woman who you most want by your side on a fishing trip. They're going to rock up, they're going to pack their own lunch, they're going to bring a sufficient amount of beer, they're going to pull anchor when required, they're going to fish with a similar philosophy as you, and, and that's who you want on every trip. And the other side of that coin, Tim, oh, is no. you need to learn the lesson that, OK, I've committed to be a decky, I will turn up on time, with I lunch. will pull the anchor. How hard is it? It's a lesson that Brendan Adair has had to learn again, uh, putting his faith, it, it appears, in an extremely unreliable decky. Brendan, g'day. G'day, fellas. How are you? We're terrific, mate. What, I mean, talk us through what's happened here and, and what the Church of the Tinny needs to, to, to learn as a result. Oh, fellow churchgoers, I'm sure you've felt my pain before. I had a fishing trip planned for oh, about a week in advance. We had some pretty good tides. We thought, oh, it's the last day of the million-dollar barrel. Let's go and give it a crack. I had my decky lined up for a week. My number one decky was uh, was on the other side of the world. That's my that's my missus. She was spewing. She wasn't going to make it. But I lined up number two. This decky was already Plan B. Yeah, she was already Plan B. And one would think a week is sufficient notice. I mean, I can't even predict the wind that far in advance, and I was already. You know. This decky's got history, though. She's she's been a she's been a pretty good decky. She was on the net on my PB Barra, so I thought I was in safe hands, to be honest. But um, at eight thirty the night before we were going to leave, she failed. Excuse? Well, she had pretty much had some homework to do. <laughs> what? How old is how old is this woman? Sixteen? <laughs> well, she's doing her PhD at uni. She's had this homework due for like three months as well. If you're at the stage of doing your doctorate, surely you you have time <laughs> deadlines sorted out. By the time you've got to this stage in your advanced education, you've got some deadlines, <laughs> some bloody programming issues happening. Yeah. I've got to fish on the weekend. I need to do homework at least by Wednesday. That's exactly right. Is she doing a doctorate in procrastination yeah. by any chance? Was it delivered by a phone call or text? It was delivered by a text, and I replied, you're f- kidding me. Oh, that's a perfectly reasonable response in the circumstances. Mm. How did the trip go? I tried really hard to actually get an, like an emergency decky, like a plan C, B, E and F. The excuses some of these fellas came up with was seriously impressive to not come fishing with me. Go, oh, okay. go let's, hit let's us. A few. One fellow was getting a bloody pedicure. What? No, he wasn't. He was not. Him and his missus were going to go and get a pedicure together. What's his name? Clancy and Emily. Okay. It's noted. <laughs> Disgraceful. Okay, anything else? <laughs> After I found out that one of my male mates was getting a pedicure instead of coming fishing with me, I just said, stuff it. You've lost, your, you lost your faith in the human race by this point. I, I was speechless. I can't even talk now just thinking about it. <laughs> I had to change my plans. I decided to um, go for a local trip because I was by myself. I went up to the uh, north arm of the harbour. I was looking for some barra. I got a couple of legals. I stumbled across a nice big school of fish sitting on the bottom. And I thought, you beauty. Grabbed my baitcaster with a vibe on it. Threw it out there. First twitch, bang. Hooked onto what could really only be described as like a diesel freight train. Peeling me across the river. And I was fishing solo. Had my mincota in one hand. Fishing rod on the other hand, trying to keep tension. Thought, oh, this could be the million dollar barrack, could be the barrack from hell. 
I could really do with a decky at this time. Yeah, I wouldn't mind someone driving the boat 45 minutes on this bait caster. <laughs> After several minutes, I realised it probably wasn't a barra. And this fish was doing U-turns left, right and centre, running me into every single stick it could find. Like, I had, I think I got off two snags. It's pretty carnage, but I eventually got it in after a long fight, and bang, it was a metre 18, Dewey. That's a PB. And on a baitcaster in the shallows. Nice work. On a baitcaster in four metres of water. I was pretty happy. And especially coming off your woeful record, dropping 16, getting bricked by 16 in a row, as some uh, yeah, listeners to the tinny might recall. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> Yeah. Now, let me guess, Brennan, was the first thing you did uh, take a photo and text it to all deckies, including the lady who pulled out because she had homework at 8.30 and the bloke getting a pedicure? That is correctly right. <laughs> yeah. uh, that dewy, when I was chasing it around, it ended up back in sort of the same place that I hooked it when I finally landed it. Pretty knackered. I was, like, craving a beer. I just glanced at my sounder again, and, man, that school was still there. Oh, my hand was shaking from the adrenaline of landing this fish. I could barely put a cast in, but yeah. I managed to bang one out. How hard did you have to think about going again after you've just fought 45 minutes on a bait caster for a dewy? I contemplated not doing it, but I thought that maybe my chances... It just This was luck turning. Maybe there was a metery in there, a metery barrier in there somewhere, but first cast back at that school and I was on again. <laughs> <laughs> Another 45 minutes on the baitcaster. By this point, my wrist was cooked. Was, I, couldn't, I could barely hold the rod. I was bracing with my wine hand, just not even really trying to get this fish, not trying to wind it in. I was just trying to take the pressure off my wrist. So painful. While I was mid-fight, I had to play it really cool at one point and actually free-spool this dewy because this boat came past. They were doing the Gumby Troll up the middle of the river and I didn't want them to really start hammering my dewy school because I was, you know, I was fishing for... I was catching big deweys in four metres of water. This is my spot. So I freezing <laughs> this dewy. And I was just like, oh, yeah. Meanwhile, there's just braid peeling off. The <laughs> <laughs> How long did it take them to go past, mate? Oh, minutes. It felt like eternity. <laughs> so this, the second 45 minute turned into a, an hour 45 fight. <laughs> I think if it, I think if it was my first fish, I probably wouldn't have done it. But I was also kind of enjoying just relieving the pressure on my rod. Oh, you were so you were both you in spell. You were both in pain and a little yeah. bit cocky. <laughs> a little bit cocky, but um, finally this boat sort of got far enough away for me to click it back in the gear, and I found myself on this dewy that had swum itself like. 100 metres into the middle of the channel and was like frolicking around near a rock bar. I think that run might have caught him out because I came and it was a metre 21. I was absolutely stoked. Unbelievable. What a glory way to finish it off, to do it solo on a baitcaster. And to those deckies who let you down, when Brendan needed you most, you almost hospitalised him. Do you realise the severity of your misdemeanour? Of your misdemeanour. Okay, so to Linda... Soon to be Dr. Linda. Clancy. Hope the Tainars look gorgeous, mate. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Also to Chris, to Abe, to Amy, to Brian, to all the deckies who didn't commit to supporting uh, Brendan in his hour of need. This is for you. In recognition of acts of exceptional stupidity, blind buffheadery, unmitigated ignorance and abject obnoxiousness. Lower your head in shame, you shonky shyster, as we bestow on you 
The Tales from the Tinny Dishonorable Mention. Shame job. Who needs them, Brendan? And well done. All by yourself, mate. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. Plenty of fish, the weather is great. Yeah, we got a few barra. The esky is full, the boat is packed. Oh, I got my quota. Tales from the Tinny. There's a place, Tim, not far from the centre of old Darwin Town. A place they call the gateway to opportunity. Where's that brothel? Is that what you're referring to? No, I'm not. Is it a pub? No, it's oh, not. It's the casino. There's a gateway to opportunity. No, it's not, Dim. No, it's not. I'm talking about Buffalo Creek. Yes, okay, I made it up. It's an overstatement, Rob. It's, a, it's an overreach. My life is an overstatement, Tim. My life is an overreach. It's a gateway to hurt. It's, no, it's <laughs> for the purposes of this exercise, it is the gateway to opportunity. Okay. And the man who presides over that gateway, the gatekeeper, is, of course, Ray Medlicott. The Beard and I caught up with him a bit earlier this week, and true to form, the gatekeeper was channeling Gandalf the Grey. That's a surprisingly contemporary reference, Rob. Well done. Come in, Gandalf. None shall pass. None, yeah. none, shall, none <laughs> shall pass. But they have been passing, mate, and uh, doing all right during the week. They have. They've been. Uh, they're doing pretty good on the uh, on the back end of the neeps over the weekend. Uh, was pretty good, and towards the building of the neeps, those sort of bigger tides dropping down produces some good fish, good crabs, and happy punters. Okay, let's start uh, from the top. Uh, the crabs. I've been hearing that they're leaping into the boat. Yeah, I've, I have heard of um, numbers up in the late twenties being pulled in, and they're big too. They're uh, they're big bucks. Dare I say, how big, Ray? Well, bigger than what I've seen coming out of here for a while. Um, don't know where they're coming from, but um, great numbers. Yes, I'm hearing uh, reports too of people doing the upgrade, of course. Right, we'll get our first 20, we'll get our, our legal bag and then just keep... Oh, that one's bigger, hoy that one back, just keep trading up. That's the way to go, really, isn't it? Well, it's value-adding. It's the way to go, but, you know, half of the time you think to yourself, well... Gee, do, they, do people really need that many crabs, you know? Uh, well. Oh, it depends how big your appetite is, mine. So, oh, oh how, how, how big the box of beer is, yeah. That, that's right. And also, uh, I've heard whispers that the, the number of red crabs, the Kimberley crabs, are down a little bit in what's being uh, coming over the side. Well, it's interesting you say that because we have a few people out here, a few of our uh, permanent punters that give them a bit of a flick as they put them back. So perhaps that's making a, a, an impression. I don't know. But people say they don't taste as good as our domestic crab, the local crab. I have eaten a couple and I have to agree. They're just not up to scratch. So what are the pick of the tides, Ray, for getting crabs at, at uh, Shoal at the moment? On the Shoal, they're, they're normally on the lead up to the neeps and then the lead out of the neeps. When you've got a neep neep, when you've only got a movement of probably, you know, let's say a metre, metre and a half, it, they seem to fall off a little bit. But once you get some more movement, they, they seem to come on. How uh, how things been going on the Barra front? Barra's been pretty good, depending on uh, where you go. Meckett Creek's been killing it at the moment. Well, I should I, I suppose I should add King Creek into that as well. There's been some uh, really healthy fish caught around the mouth of King Creek. Other people are saying, hoping lets the go. I mean, the rock's been firing. There's been some dewies and some nice fish being caught off there. So it's actually all over working pretty well at the moment. 
It's been pretty steady for a while, Ray. Hey? Do you think this is due to the lack of rain, that it's just sort of hit a plateau and is maintaining? You know, it depends which way you hold your tongue. It's one year's different, the next year's, you know, bad. I mean, up the top of, uh, towards the floodplains, up at the top of the Little Howard and the Howard and so forth, I mean, depends on who you talk to. People be up there and saying that it's, it's rubbish and other people you talk to go to the same place and end up bagging out on ten or so fish in the 80s. So... It just depends on who you talk to and how they fish. Yeah, and if you talk to an idiot like me, you're going to get the get the wrong oil right. Oh, there's nothing going on out there. Oh, no, you there. go all right, mate. You go all right. <laughs> uh, Dewey's coming off the rock too. That's encouraging. Good yeah, size. It's a nice Dewey's coming off the rock. I haven't fished the rock personally for a number of years, and I stopped doing it mainly because there were so many boats around there, it was hard to get a spot. But um, with the new lures these days and all the modern technology that can lure them out of their crevices and whatever that can spot them um i think the jewies are in for a hard time any boats going to the tiwis right they've been doing pretty good yeah uh i think the golden snapper are the ones that are going off over that way and i've heard that cape hoffman's been uh, producing good snapper as well from what i hear a few uh, friends of mine have got a couple of spots out there and uh got some real slappers you know five to eight kilo fish that's a good chunk mm, of gold, isn't it? That's a good nugget. You would be familiar with the uh, shoal bay fishing trope of getting stuck on a sandbar for long periods of time. Uh, this week there was a, a famous incident involving uh, a, a pretty well-known fisher that was stuck out there for seven hours. The story of shoal bay is you haven't been there unless you've done it. People should understand that with every big tide, it, the sandbars move around and... Um, you cannot rely these days on an old track because uh, only a couple of tides will move that either, you know, 40, 50 metres one way or the other. And uh, you only have to be within, the, say, the entrance of uh, Buffalo Creek. That moves around like you wouldn't believe. The danger part of that is, uh, of course, getting swamped if, uh, on the incoming tide. If you're on a dropping tide, that's the scary bit. Yeah, and you've got to find something to do for seven well, hours. <laughs> yeah, well... Take a book? What do you do? <laughs> Take a book. Chess set. <laughs> War and peace. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ray, listen, I can hear that uh, that gate, the gateway to opportunity beeping. I think you better go and uh, go and check who's trying to sneak under, limbo under there, mate. Roger that. And it was, was just alluded to earlier that uh, high-profile fisho who's come a little bit unstuck by getting stuck during the week. That and making us all feel somewhat better in the process, Tim. Indeed. Even the greatest, the greatest of us can fall. That that bloke with the big voice with the big massive kahunas ha- yeah. has something to say about it actually Captain Kahunas Shane Shane Combine Shane So there we are It's been said he's named But it proved many things I thought Rob and had value for many more reasons mm. First of all it proved Shoal Bay is a <coughs> She's a fierce and fickle mistress who doesn't discriminate Rob It doesn't matter who you are no side scanner, it proved, no matter how big, 
uh, can predict <laughs> that, that coming. Yes, <laughs> we haven't got to the state of the technology yet that will you know, extend arms down and leapfrog you over the <laughs> sand right. where it senses the sandbar coming. Mm. It proved that Optimus Prime, the boat, stops pretty quickly when travelling at 60 k's an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and and that no one is uh, immune to the physics of perpetual motion. Ah, uh, yes, I would go so far as to say that matter in motion tends to stay in motion, <laughs> which I believe is the second law of physics, Timothy. Does it not also prove that the tide waits for no man? Yes. Mm. There are so many laws and so many mm. things being proved this here. There's so many lessons. Oh, the, yeah. the final proof that it gives us, I think, is that if you don't own it as it's happening... As Jack, AKA, J- yeah, Jack yeah. Feeney last week, yeah, yeah. as he was owning it live as it was going on on the South Alligator as his boat drifted upstream, then your mates will own it on your behalf. Absolutely. And, and they'll own it more vigorously <laughs> oh, than you more. would have in the first place. <laughs> much more. The vigorous nature of the ownership <laughs> that Shane's mates took uh, to the tinny was uh, extraordinary. Exemplary. It had value too, though, Shane, uh, showing that it happens to the best of us. Um, that we all get bold and cocky and greedy. As Shane himself said, he was just checking one last spot. Yeah. And then Mother Nature took control and, uh, oh. Mm. It also proves no matter who you are, no matter uh, if you have sold your soul to the devil at the vortex of indecision on the Stuart Highway to become a brilliant fisher, you will still up. And that Shoal Bay, Robert, is likely to be the source Mm. of your undoing, the cause. But as Ray said... You're not a Shoal Bay fisherman if it hasn't happened. Indeed. It's like a, it's a, a rite of passage. And in summary, it goes further than that for what Shane's done here. The demigods fall from grace is really in many respects a community service, don't mm. you think? It's a ray of light in an otherwise bleak and miserable fishless career that many of us have. Mm. That what you've been through, we all go through. So thank you, Shane. And as one uh, wombat on Facebook noted, at least you have a massive tri-screen telly to watch Netflix on <laughs> while you're stuck for seven hours. <laughs> but lots of people actually said, I bet he still cleaned up in the only puddle left. Across the great desolate yeah. expanse. He did say he, he hit it at 60, 60 k's and then as soon as he felt it scraping, went to full noise to try to get over it and looked back and had ploughed a furrow. He was in a foot of water. That, that ran 100 metres. He <laughs> <laughs> was just trying to oh, power through it before oh, he... You've got to go hard. Yeah, I think we... there's another lesson. <laughs> That's right. Just don't, don't back off. Go the top. Go harder. Yeah. When in doubt... Go in deeper. <laughs> go in deeper. When in doubt, give it the berries. Yeah. And the level of ownership that ensued, Tim, as we alluded to... It was, imp- just... it was impressive. Oh, the ownership was coming left, right and centre. Picks, posts of sandbar strandings all over Facebook including from Ed. Good evening, Team Tinny. I'm sure this will be doing the rounds over the next couple of days, so I thought I'd own it, as you rightly suggest, is the way of going about these things. Good man, Ed. Indeed. The people in the boat are me and my mate Harry, stuck at 5.30am, got skull-dragged off by Braden from the Darwin Barra Base Charters with some encouragement from Jared, a real screaming Charters, later that morning. Okay. Every bastard thinks they're a comedian, trotting out the same line. Yes, we all do. Let me guess what that line is. Hope you got plenty of beer. Exactly, Tim, but in Ed's words, 
Hey, have you got plenty of piss in the ass, Gabe? Yeah, hilarious. Yeah, yeah. He reckons 35 to 40 boats per went past with 90% of them <laughs> asking the same thing. They were just concerned about your welfare, Ed. Uh, welcome to the Territory, though. You know, if that had happened in, in a bay in New South Wales... There'd be choppers, there'd be people coming over, they'd be asking about your, your V-sheet, uh, your flares, yep. your life jackets, yep. your whistles, your EPIRBs. Here, 45 boats go past and say, hope you've got enough piss, mate, do you want a beer? That's collegiality right there. As an aside, by the way, from Jack's tale last week, we were talking about Rob. So Jack tried to get his boat in solo, there was a croc at the ramp. When he came back with the car and the trailer, the boat was Whoop, gone. Floating upstream. And he watched it go up the south for two hours um, without anyone at the helm. Now, we put the comment on that post that the bloke filming the video was supposed to be at the tiller. And I read during the week a comment on that post, Rob. Real tiller operators would swim out to get it with a couple of ox hearts hanging off their feet. Yeah. Have we identified here a bit of hierarchy to the old school tiller operator versus the side console? The soft- the soft w- steering wheel operator. I mean, you don't see a lot of tiller operators these days. And I'm a bit of a tiller man. Yeah, and me I, too. I, I love it. I lo- you get more deck space on a little boat with a tiller. If, if the, is that the way the tiller operators are supposed to roll? I'm, I'm going to roll with that. Tough as nails, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Sitting back on the bench seat, feet up, nursing stubby in between legs and swimming for your own boat on the south alligator with a couple of ox hearts hanging off the feet. That's how you roll on the tiller. Enjoy the little steering wheel, fellas. Shoot it. Share it. Shout it. Give us a point. Right, boys, off we go. Get the dirty bloody hoofs off me tackle box. Hang on. Who bought the grog? You said you'd bring the tinnies. I bought the tinny. The tinny you've got your ass in. Oh, you did remember the bait, didn't you? Oh, I knew I'd forgotten something. You idiot. Get up. You're sitting on me hat. Hang on. What's all this water? The, the bones! Where's the bloody bailer? Quickly! Comedy of errors. Oh, yeah. Tales from the tin. Coming off the back of Probably one of the best rounds of the top end barrier series ever, Chrome Overload mm. at Shady a little while ago. It was always going to be a hard one to back up, wasn't it? Well, interestingly, out at Shady, if you hadn't got the memo there, that, that might have been the only shot over those neat tides because since no one's really been having the same joy as they did then. Uh, Hope to back it up in round two at the Daily when it was actually tougher work. But the dynamic duo of Clayton Archibald and Sonia Barnes cleaned up with first and fourth, respectively, in the round. How are you guys? Good, thanks. Fantastic. Clayton, you decided to go against the trend and head a little bit upstream. Yeah, I've got the word from some of the guys at the tackle shop that they were catching some fish at the crossing at Yellowstone, which is near Mission Creek. So we thought we'll give that a crack first and it sort of paid off. So we put in Friday and found a creek mouth and there was a little bit of buff and threw a few lures in. So I pulled a 60 on Friday afternoon. Just warming up? Yeah, so we decided to uh, motor up 2K upstream on Saturday morning and they were biting. The pre-work put in, Sonia, paid off. So what were you throwing around that was uh, doing the goods? Oh, just rubbers. I called my little blingy rubbers. Some weedless vibes and, yeah, just persistence. Just keep casting and casting and casting. 
when we got there, the electric actually decided to not work anymore. So we tied off to a tree. Um, the brother-in-law had lent us his U-Beauty uh, custom uh, barrel pump, which is, uh, I call it the weapon because it's just awesome. And he it, fitted a brand new sounder on it. And mm. It's got a live scope, which is like a... Like a three, like watching, like watching TV. And anyway, and on the Saturday, I'd had the boat for a day and a bit, and uh, pressed the button, had a look at it. I'm sitting there looking at it, going, "Oh, Sonia, come here, come here, come look at this." <laughs> Man, underneath there, you can see it's like watching TV. So there's all these stumps, and then this barramundi would just swim slowly through the stream. And I'll tell you what, it was a game changer. I, I always thought the barra uh, sat there under the stump. No way, mate. They swim around in circles all day. So all day for two days, I just sort of sat at the back of the boat watching them. They'd yeah, he's, he's watching TV, guys. And I'm, oh, so, yeah. so, so you were you were fishing via the screen rather than by your surroundings? <laughs> he was. I, 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 I was up the front casting madly and you know, getting fish. I'd, I'd come through every 20 minutes or something, you'd get a bull for a hit. I actually realised that if you put the vibe close to the sensor... You can see the vibe on the screen bouncing up and down like a little lolly. There he is. Come on. Here he comes, Mr. Barra. There's Mr. Barra. There's my vibe bouncing around above you. Come on, get it. Big Barra. It actually buffed the, the vibe and I felt it down the line, hit the vibe. It didn't hook up or anything, but i tell you what, what a game changer. And, and, and you watched it. Sonia, this sounds like it's no different to at home where presumably Clayton just lies on the couch and watches the cricket yes, or the screen. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. The whole idea is to get out in the, in the great outdoors and there he is again lounging on the chair watching the screen. Is, is that a fair uh, summation? Absolutely. So I'm at the front of the boat, casting away, trying everything, slow retrieves, letting it hit the bottom, do everything. He's on fish TV commentating the whole thing. <laughs> so you're looking around saying, oh, look at the lovely seagulls, look at that. And he's, he's got his head in the screen saying, where, where? Uh, no amount of expensive equipment can make a fish take that lure. Just proof that they're there, for one, but two, they will ignore your lure. They'll take uh, it when they're ready. It sounds like we have a confrontation here. We've got one who's glowing and saying it's a game changer. Um, Sonia, I don't know if I'm reading it right. You're a little bit sceptical? I have two jobs when I go fishing. One is to launch the boat, mm. drive it on and off the trailer, and two is catch dinner. You're the provider. Clayton's the I'm beer the drinker. Yeah, he's my boat chauffeur. I get him to put me on the fish, and then I just try to catch. You got first yeah. and fourth. What sort of yeah. numbers and what sort of sizes between you? I was a bit disappointed, actually, because Clayton was hooking on before me. That's never a good sign when he's firing. So 53 up to 79, I think, between the two of us was the range. You did get him back at one stage by snapping his rod, though, didn't you? Oh, absolutely. He's busy watching TV. <laughs> and so I generally get the hand-me-down rod. I got snagged, handed him my rod to tie me on a new lure, picked up his month-old rig and flicked it right up the creek mouth and got a snag. I couldn't get off with my little trick. And we had to untie the boat, manoeuvre the boat, get the nose of the boat into the creek mouth. I um, unhooked the snag. He hit the boat into reverse before I even had a chance to reel in and the line was wrapped around the tip and it just went snapped. Mm. 
And, and by the way, it was a very expensive brand new rod that started yeah, with yep. a G, and uh, it was, was very happy for quite a bit of the, the afternoon. Well, that's so. what happens when you navigate the boat via a TV screen instead of using your eyeballs yes. over the top of the gunnel. I'm thinking, Sonia, this was just a case of have I got your attention now, Clayton? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, at least once a season, I lose a rig. So last year it was the full rig. I tripped in the boat and hit my arm on the side of the boat and the whole bit went to the bottom of yellow waters. So... Look, hopefully it's worth it in this case, guys. It was a terrific round for you both. I've got the stats here now. Clayton, 79, 74, 66, 61, 55, equal first. And Sonia, 57, 53, 74 and 62 got fourth, just showing that you absolutely made the right decision to, to head upstream. So well done and congratulations on a, uh, on a great round at the Daily. Fantastic. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Yeah, Had a ball. Can't wait for the next one. Tales from the Tinny. Clayton and Sonia with a cracking round. We did chat to Roscoe, too, about how it was elsewhere downstream. Not a glowing report. Uh, low water. Water temps around 33 degrees. He talked to people at Alligator Head. Struggling. Crew down at Elizabeth. Struggling. Catfish. Struggling. <laughs> <laughs> the fish were there, he said, but they were just lying doggo. Was a different story last week, it would seem, though. Be warned, anyone who's fished the daily lately to little or no avail, this may bloody hurt. Yeah, I'm Trevor from Witchy Proof in Victoria and Mallee. We're wheat farmers down there. We come up here fishing a bit. We've uh, met up with uh, Waddy years ago and he gave us a few tips and showed us everything about it so we eventually we blame him for buying a we spent a heap of money and bought eventually bought a boat and a half a ute loader lures and we got up to the daily this is about two we got there two weeks ago myself Braden, my son and his father-in-law cuzzo took a few tips from ringy and darwin barron crab and um waddy yeah on the way up we had a heap of fishing gear anyway. We'd bought stuff online and rang up Craig's and Tackle World out at Coolinga off Shane, Shane and we called it a rod and rifle at um, Catherine and um, the fellow there, Warren, we sort of recognised him from off the show and he sort of sold us a bit more gear that we probably didn't really need. And um, he said, oh, when you go out, the, out, out to the daily, it's going to be pretty tough, this bugger all run off and not much water around he said it'll be pretty you know won't be much fish going off so we sort of debated we thought we should probably might head somewhere else we might go to shady or something with oh bugger we'll go to the daily but we done all right <clears throat> we got a few fish the first night we got there we got four barra so we thought well it's not too bad can't be that bloody hard so we're fishing all the mouths of the creeks and stuff and whatever and we met up with Meg, she's on the show here sometimes, and she gave us a couple of tips on a couple of places, a good trolling line. So we're driving down the river, having a few cans, a few lures hanging out the back, and next cuzzo, I've got a snag, which is pretty typical of cuzzo. You sure it's not a fish cut? No, nah, it's a hunk of wood. Next Braden said, cuzzo, I think your snag's heading to the bank. So he, he starts winding, starts winching. We'd never seen anything come up above the water. Then all of a sudden, it hit, launches under the boat, leans over, breaks his rod in half, 
So all he's got left is a, a piece of rod, two eyelets on it, and you can hear the line rubbing on the bottom of the boat, and we thought, ah, oh, it's going to bust off. We still hadn't seen anything at this stage. We thought, oh, perhaps it's another bull shark or a stingray. And then Waddy pulls up and he's throwing us a few directions, what we should be doing, stop, don't run into the stags. And it's um, all of a sudden it surfaced beside the boat and it's this huge barra. We've never seen anything that big before. <laughs> Just guide his head gently. A good one. Watch out for that tree coming up, Trev. Get him in, get him in. Scoop him. Gazo, nice one. And it uh, measured 110 centimetres, which is bloody amazing. So that really made our day, and we had a lot of drinks and celebrated that, but um, things only got better. A couple of days later, Braden and Cuzzo had to go home, so they headed off home. I brought him into Darwin, we put him on a plane, they headed back to Melbourne, and I picked up uh, my wife Jenny and daughter Tessa, so same thing, they're getting a bit hot and bothered, and we trail them down the river, and all of a sudden, we got another fish, and it took us a while to get it in. Another big barra. This time it was 112, and so within three days we'd got two metre barra. Then, lo and behold, the next day we trolling again, having a bit of a fish throw on the creeks and whatever, and then all of a sudden, bloody bang, Tessa, my daughter's on. She didn't get very excited about it, and the next I jumped out of the water, got it in, and um, she creamed us all. got a 113 centimetre barra. So... For people we knew stuff all about bloody barramundi fishing, we got three meteries in five days, and the totals was pretty tough fishing, but um, didn't work out too bad, I reckon. I want to give a bit of a shout-out to Waddy. He got us addicted to this, and also Ringy, but I think they mightn't give us any more because I think we might have got bigger fish than they did last week. Cheers, fellas. Red, fast and free. Presenting the Tales from the Tinny Fish Measuring Sticker. Some say it's the scientific standard for measuring length. Some say that it gives you a guaranteed 20% more luck in catching fish. Some say that these stats might be slightly exaggerated. Much like your fishing yards without a Tales from the Tinny Fish Measuring Sticker. Email fishing at abc.net.au or message the Tinny on Facebook to get yours. And Nick, it's still coming in thick and fast. G'day fellas, says Shane. Me and five of my mates are making the pilgrimage to the Daly River. Early May, we're hauling three boats up from Vic. Our last trip was in 2011. That was Cyclone Carlos here. With a massive wet season. Yeah, it was. Mm. And the best fishing of my life. But after listening to your podcast, uh, a little saddening to realise there'll be little to no runoff this year. It is depressing, Shane. But that's what we're all facing. Yeah. Please take pity on us and grace us with three stickers, one for each of the tinnies making this trip. We would love nothing more, mate, than you running a tails in the tinny. Go fast, red, 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 why, 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 Delayla, get a mullet up your sticker. They're on their way. They will be delivered to you by Neville before arriving uh, in the top end. So they'll be in situ, ready for the uh, Mm. Territory Waterways. Uh, A Barra Doyle. 
has given us a hoy. Oh, no. Yeah, that's what I said first up. Really? This is uh, Barra Burdick and Doyle. Dear Timothy, Robert, and Lisa the Beard. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I don't know if there was supposed to be a slash in there. We have a problem, says Barra Doyle. As you may or may not recall, your late and much lamented monsoon has been on sabbatical in the lower Burdekin. Yes, yes, we know! We're aware of that, Baradoyle. Baradoyle, you what, What's the point? Yeah. I don't mean to be inhumane. Yes, you do, Baradoyle, I would put it to you. I don't mean to be inhumane and gently reminding you of this, for us, very happy circumstance. Neville, can you get out there and take his sticker back? You may also remember that your egregious and vengeful accomplice, Neville, the incontinent intercontinental albatross, was dispatched to poo on we poor Delta dwellers by way of religious retribution. Correct. At the time, this looked like the end of fishing for us as struggled with Neville's overwhelming aerial bombardment. However, for every cloud of crap, there is a silver lining. <laughs> Albatross fundamental flushings, Baradoyle tells us, based as they are on fermented jellyfish, probiotics, rum and pizza offers a wonderfully enriched food source for all manner of mullet and assorted bait fish. Oh, I see where he's going. So he's, he's taking this as a blessing. We can't even crap on him. We're being overwhelmed by NT fishers who've never seen it so good. Oh, there's a, there's a migration to the Burdekin for a runoff. Is this what Man, he is loving rubbing this in, he isn't is he? He's just going We up. sent Neville over there to lay crap all over him. He says, bring it on. That's got the bait moving. Thanks for the bait. Now NT fishers are heading over there. When asked whether they've got access to red GoFast 120YYY Delilah U bu- bu- Bloody Beauty Burdigan Barra measuring sticker to verify their haul, all I get is a shoulder shrug and a green bomber hurled aggressively in my general direction, <laughs> as they should. According to the obviously dodgy fisho who's pictured in this a- a- attached image, you need two stickers in serial to get an accurate measurement of the type of Burdigan Barra at present. Pushing the bounds of reality for starters. There's language I'd like to use that is not permitted for broadcast by the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. Can we just insert that here? Yeah. Too many NT ringins, unused to such fecundity, are taking their barras home to see how they measure up. This is taking a savage toll on our Burdigan barra breeding stock, and it quite simply just has to stop. So here's what I propose. This better be bloody good, Barra Doyle. For the many fishos heading to the bounteous Burdekin from the NT, you need to urgently introduce a red go-fast 150 <laughs> watt. <laughs> I'm not going to read the rest of this. I've had enough of you. I'm yeah. out. I'm out. Look. Yeah, look, okay, look, I'll, I'll continue. We've got to, we've started this, we, we've got to finish it. It's an obligation. It's like being a good deck. Well, just get it done. For the many fishers heading to the bounteous Burdekin from the NT, you need to urgently introduce a red go fast 150 YYY Delilah. You blue bloody Burdekin barrow measuring sticker. Blah, blah, blah. To sort the oversized for the overzealous frothy wafflers now resident in our district. Yours collegiately. Collegiately? Is, is that really what you call that? Your, I'd be saying more accurately is yours sinking the slipper, Barra Doyle, praise be the Burdekin. I've, I've got nothing to add. Incoming, incoming, incoming. G'day, this is Packy Andy. I'm just sitting here having a bit of a reflective moment on the rocks at East Point thinking about a few days ago in fact it was Saturday I went out in the harbour for a lovely afternoon fish just for three hours with my beautiful seven-year-old daughter and we just flicked across the harbour and 
caught some queenies and some trevally on lure. It was a wonderful afternoon. Anyway, we're burning back to the boat ramp uh, when all of a sudden, after she's going, go faster, Dad, go faster, everything comes to a halt. And the engine beeps at me three times. What's that, Dad? Not good, sweetie, I said. So we flicked into a nice, calm, but still official emergency mode. Threw the anchor out. Checked the charge on the phone. Looked for that VHF radio that uh, I'd forgotten to pack. Not, not normally something I'd do, but on that day, it was only a couple of hours in the harbour, so I didn't have the radio. Anyway, there was no water coming out of the old uh, wee-wee hole on the engine, so it looked like it was something to do with the impeller or whatever it was. We were going nowhere. Luckily not sitting in a shipping channel. We're on the mud flats, and luckily a reasonable tide, not a springy. We still had a couple of hours until sundown, so I tried to flag a couple of boats down by standing on the bow and blowing the whistle on the life jacket uh, that I'd told her about half an hour never to blow unless you're in an emergency. <laughs> Waving the life jacket around, trying to get someone's attention. One boat, two boat, three boat. All went past. I think, look, they may have been a little bit out of range. They may not have seen me and probably definitely didn't hear me. Push came to shove and I had to make a phone call to home and get someone to go down the boat ramp and just grab the first boat that comes in, I said, and send them back. We're only a couple of k's out. Surprising to me, um, within 45 minutes, a couple of boats had said, no, um, can't go back out. We've either got our own problems or, uh, you know, we don't want to or whatever the reasons were, I, I don't know. But the bottom line is we were floating out there for about an hour and a half before finally, thank you, Steph and Matt, with their 40 horsepower brand new motor that they were just taking out to test, uh, managed to come in and tow us in. So, you know, there's always good out there. I've never been rescued in that boat before. I've certainly done a lot of rescues. In fact, the most recent a few weeks ago. But it is quite a vulnerable feeling, even within eye shot of the boat ram, floating out there with someone you love, thinking that you're absolutely dependent on someone else to come and get you. I guess safety never does take a holiday, does it? I said that the other week with a bit of a chuckle, but I'm not chuckling so much now. Anyway, it's always good to reflect, isn't it? Safety never takes a holiday. <laughs> I mean, God bless you, Words Andy. always come back to bite you on the date, don't well, they? Well, in this case, indeed they do, because safety did take a goddamn holiday, Andy. Yeah. Safety was elsewhere with a white linen shirt on and a cocktail in its hand poolside in Bali. <laughs> yes, that's right. S- safety was ordering more filet mignon and wondering what's on the movie channel that night. Mm. A club sandwich, actually, safety was probably ordering. Safety there was are... thinking, you know what, I'm going to have a lovely little relaxing afternoon nap. Yeah. Good to hear you got out of it, though. Okay, though, Andy and Abby. And as if it needs any mentioning to the church, really, but sometimes it seems we need to reiterate. If a brother or a sister needs a toe, pull your finger out and bloody well give him one. Especially if that brother or sister is blowing a whistle frantically and waving a life jacket around like an idiot. Because Because next time it could be you blowing the whistle Mm. and waving your life jacket around like an idiot. What, What we can be sure of is that the couple of people who who refused to go and get Andy and Abby were not tinny church members yet. The other thing we can be sure of... They're on the path to enlightenment. Yes, they are. They're They're on the path. path. You can find the podcast at ABC uh, Listen App, folks. The other thing we can be sure of is that if you do give a toe to a tinny church member, you will get the carton of beer. 
they will deliver it like they promised to. They won't just bring a six-pack or promise and never give it to you. You'll get it. Because they're a member of a church that maintains and respects honour and integrity where safety never takes a holiday. Get a mullet up, ya. Go on. You've been dying to try. And there's no time like the present. Tales from the tinny. No doubt you've been following um, the Brexit saga, Robert. Oh, it's riveting. It's like watching a constipated mule. Is it? There's just nothing happening. You lift the tail every day, no output. Lift the tail, no, no result. Lift the tail, nothing happening. How much time have you spent doing that? <laughs> Lifting tails. Look, there was something to come of it this week. A move worthy, I thought, of the great territory Garn mooning, the Gan mooning of oh, 2001, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was. Yeah. When a group of protesters in the UK stripped to their undies, superglued their asses to a glass wall uh, in Parliament and began to chant in, in, in protest. I'm grateful to the Honourable Lady and I encourage everybody to look in this direction rather than uh, another direction. The colleagues to show some respect for the member who has the floor. Um, obviously there is a disturbance in the gallery, uh, whatever the rights and wrongs of that protest. Um, much more so than uh, the peripheral vision that was tempting my eyes elsewhere. Uh, the, the, the bottom line, the bottom line is... Hey, hey, hey. Those, those wacky British. Everyone loves a double entendre. There is something to learn, though. Is that not the greatest protest idea for the Bureau of Meteorology headquarters at Casuarina in protest to the lack of wet season this year? You <laughs> and I strip naked. Let's super glue our asses to the glass outside the, you know, the, the, lunchroom. the lunchroom. Where they sit and look at the synoptic chart. <laughs> Just our asses. Super glued. And we'll stay there until you deliver a monsoon. Like constipated donkeys. <laughs> Dwayne Dwayne's hit us on Facebook. I bumped into Dwayne on uh, Kakadu Billabong a couple of weeks ago. I was minding my own business. Yeah, you can't when he's around. <laughs> quietly, quietly <laughs> strolling by, and they go, "Hi, Smithy, and you, Smithy." Big, big, bald head, massive, glowing red I, beard. I didn't notice that the, the bald head was covered by a hat. I should have known by the glowing beard underneath the blood nut, the ginger beard. Who it was? Yeah, you're out of Yellow Waters. How'd you go? Yeah, did it right. It would, it, uh, in the classic way of things, you should have been here a couple of days ago. As the water had been dropping, there'd been quite a few 80s and 90s getting caught. It had been going off while it, it was dropping. It had been going well, yeah. But then uh, there was a bit more in the catchment there, and it actually went... Well, the jump up from home Billabong that, to the cutting through had gone up 100 mil even when we were there. But I banged a nice uh, silver 80. That's good going. Uh, and, yeah, so that was good, but then uh, that was about it. That was I was lucky to get that, I reckon. It was right at the turn. Anyway, g'day, Dwayne. How are you, fella? He'd been uh, chasing out, he still is at Kakadu, I think. Um, and he tells us our legendary fishing poet Haggis is down at Roma representing the NT in the 2019 Clay Target National. I saw the picture. Haggis, the poet driving the... Um Bulldozer driving, shotgun toting, bulldozer, bulldozer driving, poet laureate poet of laureate. the Northern Territory. Yeah, good luck down there, Haggis. Good on you. Uh, Dwayne then sent us a preliminary report uh, from the East Alligator, buoyant and optimistic. So solo mission, boat ramp behind me, thirty seconds into it, sixty centimetre barrage. 
No red tags, so that doesn't mean much anymore. Except for the million dollar one, but off to a good start. Most people would say if you catch a fish in the first five minutes, you should go home. This is the dilemma. Yeah, that's a dilemma. I could. Success rate would be high. Yeah. It's off to a good start. Yeah, but of course he continued on. It's the question you ask yourself, should I rack the queue? But it is so, you know in your head you probably should. But that is one of the most difficult moves it is. on the planet. Oh, look, I've been on the water five minutes. I've got a fish. Let's go home. No. He wasn't done, though. He sent through a pic of himself with a new shirt on. Oh, oh good on you. He's a, a new very shirt. fashionable chap on the water, I must say that. Nice shirt? Yeah, yeah. I don't know how many changes he went through for a session in Kakadu at this steamy time of year. Anyway, he's uh, holding what looks like something in the vicinity of a stonking 120. Wait, you're kidding me? No, no. Absolute stonker. From the east? Uh, I think so. Yes, I believe so. Presumably glad he didn't leave mm. after just getting a 60. I'm more on, interested, actually, in his new shirt. Yeah. I might have to look up that. The range of shirts, Tim. The ra- it's like a wardrobe he's got stacked up under the casting deck. Mm, what a curious individual. <laughs> Sounds like a lovely new shirt, though. And they all, uh, you know, it's all colour coordinated with, of look, course, the fire red ginger beard. Man, if, if you've got a nice new shirt, feel free to send us a picture on Facebook. And he never goes green, of course. Because, as a... you know, in the fashion sense, Tim, red and green should never be seen. If you've got a nice new pair of slacks, you want to share it with the church? Just send us a photo. Your favourite stink, uh, stinky singlet with you know beer stains and a bit of pizza mm. grease stuck on it. G'day, Gary Mundy, who's hit us up on Facebook. Got my first metery yesterday! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Five years chasing them. I've hooked the big girls a dozen times before in the past, but luck was never on my side. I've straightened hooks, lines have snapped, they've run me into snags, knots have come undone, even almost lost this beauty when the net broke while landing it. Now my luck finally came home. One twenty-one. Boom, Gary Mundy. Oh, well, well done. done, man. What a great thrill. I even had a dream that I was going to get my metery the night before I went out. I told my mate, my mate about it on the way out. And wow. then it happened. Lo- Spooky. Life is complete now, and I can move forward. John Russo hit us up as well. This is how it's done. Check this out. Three-way hookup on two lures. Two that's, salmon and a brim. That's good going. <laughs> Unbelievable. That's, that's good going. Corroboree Billabong access is now open also. Oh, yeah, I read that during the week. Alan Hunt has sent in a pick as well of a very healthy barra caught in, you know, you know what Alan always says. It's not, we're not entertaining Woods Inlet anymore, Alan. It's, north Arm. It's the North Arm. Proper stonker, got to be in the 120s. And a little video of his mate pulling in what they came to realise uh, was the old two barra on one lure situation. <laughs> Holy f- what? Yeah. No worries. Better get the net. Can you grab that net? <laughs> Welcome to the f-ing top end, sunshine. <laughs> Double f-ing header. This is f-ing loose. Wouldn't you rather be down the daily catching f-ing call? <laughs> <laughs> How's that for a marketing campaign? Welcome to the top end, sunshine. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a stubby that's curler. The, yeah. And a singlet. Yeah. Or perhaps a banner put across the wharf for all those cruise ships. Coming in, warm and welcoming. Yeah. With just a, well, maybe just a little sprinkle of sinister a there. A little bit of menace. Yeah. A little bit of menace hiding if there. You want to give us a hoy, you can email fishing at abc.net.au or hit us up at ABC Tales from the Tinny on Facebook. And welcome to the f-ing top end. Tales from the Tinny. Whether it be heading from the shady boat ramp out to the mouth of Sampan or blatten up the south or busting out to six mile you're probably well acquainted fishos uh, with the concept of just going absolutely flat stick full noise full beans 
Give it the berries! Just ignoring the tachometer. Or the alarms. The beeping or the valve bouncing. Mm. None of it's particularly relevant uh, when when you really need to get somewhere to, for the right tide. The beast often needs to be unleashed. The phrase blowing the cobwebs out really has merit. Especially <laughs> in a two-banger. You can't... you just got to flash her out. Yeah. Full noise! I love a flogger. What's the point of leaving any horsepower on the deck? Yeah. Give it to her. The old Cunanara Dam to Dam Dinghy race is back on this weekend. Woohoo! 55 k's at full noise in a 12-footer. White knuckle adventures. Love it. Turns out one of the top-end teams has been skippered by a bit of a celebrity of the croc wrangling variety. Beard went to get his fix of two-stroke fumes and chat with the man they call Willow. Yeah, g'day, it's Chris Wilson, often known as Willow, just uh, down here at Precision Marine, picking up our race rocket to go down to the Cunanara Dam to Dam. Mick's been good enough to sponsor us into it with a boat and a motor. So it's the first time I've seen this boat. Haven't even been out to get used to it, and the race is on Friday, so, yeah, don't know how we're going to go, but as long as we just hold it flat and get committed, we should be right. Sort of always seen those Red Bull dinghies, they race around down in South Australia, it looks like good fun. And um, yeah, just randomly talking to Mick about it. He's done it the last three or four years, taking the boat over there and brought a few trophies home. So I thought it'd be a good thing to go and do. Yeah, we got talking. He said he wasn't going this year and take this boat over and give it a lap. So Willow, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, you're kind of the sidekick sort of partner of, uh, of Matt Wright on the Outback Wrangler. Uh, anything, uh, anything you experienced on that show that readies you for the task at hand? Uh, being fearless, I suppose, is something that'll make going fast in a dinghy derby good if you're not scared of the water or the boat you just hold it flat and yeah fear will only slow you down that's the strategy just hold it flat and keep the nose down and balance it back to that optimum speed where we're going to get the most pace possible and send it i'm skipper yet i'll be steering it mick jacoby's going to be up the front swinging so mick's a short little bulldog he's got plenty of strength and not much weight so he should be able to hang off these rails at the front and move left to right and work out the center of gravity pretty good he's um ex-helicopter pilot, current diesel mechanic, so he's going to double up as my pit crew while we're down there. <laughs> if we have anything go wrong, he should be able to work it out. Because the swinger, they're basically just sort of leaning back and forward, sort of like left and right into the corners, yeah? From what I can gather watching the videos, they just keep the boat from flipping on the corners and sort of help you get out on the plane a bit quicker and yeah, rock the boat into that fastest position possible, I suppose. The boat's owner, uh, Mick Denny at Precision Marine. Mick, uh, what pointers are you giving uh, Willow? Ah, pretty well. Hold it flat. Don't look back. Um, does close to 70 k's an hour, probably more than that, uh, with the water current going down the, um, the lake there. So, um, yeah, just lean back and, um, yeah, try not to flip it. Yeah, if I had one more piece of advice uh, for the race this year, it would be get your lefts and right turns correct because last year we uh we stuffed up one which we were lucky it came out at the other end it was around an island um, and we were just lucky that the rest of the crew because we were in front at the time followed us that same way so we didn't come come out behind so we're just lucky they followed us just having a look at the vessel now how's she looking in your eyes she's looking fast she's looking lean 30 horsepower mercury so she's a bit overpowered max horsepower 15 on that hull <laughs> What's been happening lately on the on the Wrangler? 
so yeah, I've been filming Outback Wrangler with Matty. It's a, sort of his brainchild for the last 10 years. We're up to season four now. We filmed another 10 episodes last year all over the territory, right down as far as Victoria River Downs. Um, worked our way up to the Tiwis, across the LaBelle Station, out across the Maroke to the east there. So yeah, we travel a fair way looking for problem animals that are given station owners or Aboriginal communities a bit of a hard time. It must take you to some pretty interesting uh, fishing grounds. You, you put a line in uh, many places? Yeah, you, you try and logistically plan your movements between all these cattle stations to pull up for lunch at the best fishing spots there are. We, you know, in the, when we get a good wet season, we pull up on the bank all across the Daly River, across to the Keep River, across to Fitzmaurice, the Vic, down to King Ash Bay over on the east coast there, up through Gove, King Goomadir, all those rivers across the north there. Yeah, there's, there probably isn't a river system that I haven't haven't fished, I suppose, from a helicopter, so we're very fortunate in that respect. But All right, Willow, we'll touch base afterwards. Good luck on your debut race. Nah, thank you. Thanks for having us. And, yeah, big thanks to Mick for hooking us up with the boat and really much appreciate it. You don't get that option every, every day. It, it takes many types to make up the great pastiche of the Tinny Church. On the oh. one hand, you've got Packy Andy espousing that safety never takes a holiday. Mm. On the other hand, you've got Willow. Hold it flat and send it. Fear will only slow you down. <laughs> hey, there, there's some take-home words, isn't there, Timmy? Uh, let's, let's get you back into that. Let's have a listen to that again. Uh, just get some blood coursing, doesn't yeah, it? I can smell it. That's the sound of victory right there, Rob. <laughs> 70 k's an hour and a 12-foot hull. Good luck to those folks. Good luck to the Veerleys too, I saw... They're prepping Titan Uranus for another year over at the Cunanara Dam to Dam this weekend. Titty boys, show your tackle! Scott from Tiwi Adventures has been back on board for about a month, having a bit of a, a sniff around and has been doing particularly well, it seems. G'day, Scott. How are you going? Yeah, g'day, fellas. Yeah, really well, thanks. What, do you, what have you been hunting and how have you been going? Oh, well, it's been a great start to the year. We've sort of, you know, as you know, the wet hasn't been great. But mm. um, I guess with our... We're probably a little bit different over here. We're fishing mainly estuaries. So unless we've got a big flush of water running through the estuaries, we've got a really good run with good, clean water. And, and that's where the fish are. We've only got a couple of estuaries before systems that um, are t- typical runoff systems, but um, we haven't been going near it because it's just not working. So, uh, mate, we've been doing particularly well in just the big estuary. There are some silver linings to the poor wet, isn't there? Uh, yeah. aren't there? I, I agree. Like, um, you know, we sort of look at it that, you know, we might be a little bit different over here, but realistically, there's so many estuaries around the Darwin region, especially, you know, in particular the harbour, that when they're clean, they, they fish really well. So I think, you know, we can just, just got to change where we go and change our habits and techniques, you know? Surprisingly, the Mackies were running pretty well. Yeah, almost immediately. Like, our uh, first of March was our first guest that come in and they loaded up on the first day. And there was bait balls and it was as if it was, you know, in the cooler months. But, June, um, July. And, yeah. yeah, that's right. But even today, I heard the boys on the radio just um, only a few moments ago and they've got bait balls and Mackies just jumping all around them at a moment. So, signs <laughs> are good. Fantastic. Are they, they good, uh, good big Spaniards, mate? Yeah, there's sort of there's a couple of reefs that we fish, and one where we only catch you know, just a few mackies always produces the big fella, so they're often more alone. But these ones are just your typical one, the 1.2 meters, 
Um, and they're, they're still good Mackies, but those big, real big fellas, they just seem to hang a line on another reef that we approach. But, um, yeah, no, they're good Mackies. But... What about on the bottom, mate? How's that been fishing? Yeah, really good. Hey, we've been super impressed with the size goldies that have been coming in close to shore. So, you know, we're only, you know, fishing rocks and, and pretty well anywhere, like one, two kilometres offshore, and we're picking up those goldies that are around that 70 and even up to 80 centimetre model. Oh, so they're wow. just rippers. That's in, in so close and so large. Yeah, yeah. So um, we, like, we do notice they, come, they do come in at this time of the year a little bit closer, but not this close. And the rock, like the rocks are just loaded up with them. And you, we, do, we are getting a lot of smaller ones, like around, you know, the 40, 45 centimetres, but just in amongst them are these big ones that are just coming from, uh, from the depths or somewhere. Let's hope, hope they keep coming and you can cast for them, for them land-based. Oh, well, that's the great thing, because we're only in 12. I, I was joking. You're not actually... <laughs> you're not. You're not. He's, not. He's not. He's not. He's not. Cast out with a decent-sized sinker and pull in an 80 off the, off the sand, we're, sitting in our deck chair with a beer. I've got to let you know, we have trawled a couple up in between 12 and 20 foot of water, only five, 600 metres offshore off some rock, just points. They've been there as well. So Very good. Crazy. And in that water, you can uh, release the smaller ones too, I'm assuming. Yeah, well, yeah, all of them. And we're getting a few jewies in close there too, which we have a tendency to target that more once we know they're there because you can, you can release them all. You only keep, keep one for dinner and just let, let the rest go. So it's all ideal. All right, on to the barra then. Uh, you're not going to tell us the same story. You know, yeah, we're just casting off the bank and catching 90s. You know, in, into the estuaries, like I think one of the... One of the key factors that we've found this year is just those side scanners have served us really well. They, they, they're really, they're, all of them are tucked up underneath the mangroves, especially during the day. That's the time we're fishing. So, but they're all underneath the mangroves, and those side scanners have, you know, we've we've nailed loads of nineties already, and a couple of meter fish this season already. So it's working well. Oh, and like the Tiwis is generally not known for big barra, is it? Is that unusual? No, I agree. Like. You know, last year, we were pulling a hair out, Getty, but we got loads of 90s, which is, you know, super impressive big silver fish. Um, but we we're all sort of, you know, trying to break that metre fish, but we just we just didn't get it. We got half a dozen for the whole year, but this year already we've we've sighted numerous big fish and we've um, we've got a couple already. So, yeah, I don't know. Don't know, don't know what the answers are. Um, maybe they have grown from the 98s into the 101s and the 103s because they're not, they're not much bigger than that, the ones we've got, but... Mate, we're not sure, but we've definitely sighted a lot more bigger barra, definitely over the metre this year than we did last year already. What are you using to drag them out from under that cover that you're finding them in? Oh, look, hey, there's, there's soft plastic Z-Man. Um, you know, we, we use them a fair bit. And we've got, we've got the squirrels, we've got the jackals that we're dragging out and suspending them and holding them up and keeping them in the zone as long as you can has been really effective. Annoying the hell out of them. You've got it. <laughs> uh, and, and presumably this is in those clearer creeks that you were talking about earlier. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, well, the other day we we picked up on a couple of fish on the side scanner. We went in and had a close look at them. And I, I just wanted to mention it because we haven't seen it before. You might have some answers for me, mate. But there was five or six fish and we would have estimated they were between 80 and probably 110. They were really good sized fish but they would not take a lure for the life of them. A half an hour, putting a lure right on the money in the spot, and they wouldn't take it. But when we got in close enough, there was like a dozen or more little 45s and 50s frantically swimming around these big fish. Wow. Tell me what that is. Is that, is that late breeding or, you know... You it certainly it sounds there. like it. It sounds like the boys running around with their tongues out and the girls hiding in the back block saying, uh-uh, 
Not tonight, Irene. <laughs> Seriously, that's what it looked like. And we sort of, of course, we come back and have our debrief with uh, over a couple of quiet ones. And that, that's one of the things that come yeah, up. People, people started drawing little mud maps of yeah. who was who and what was... <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, things got saucy. What might have happened if it had to progress further? <laughs> good, good, good on you, Scott. we got to fly, man. Great to catch up with you. And great to hear the fishing's um, really firing out of the Tiwis. Yeah, great. Good to catch up, fellas. Are we going fishing today? Tales. Tomorrow. From the tinny. I'm a good girl already. That about wraps up the tinny for another week. Lock and load and get ready to be cuddled in the bosom of the monsoon. Whether it be too late for fishy purposes or not, there is certainly enjoyment to be had, fishers. Thanks to Brendan Adair. I asked the question again, Tibby. I've asked it before. Is he the brother or maybe the son or the cousin of Red Adair? The famous firefighter or Green Adair, his Irish cousin. I think I've asked you this before and I've got the same blank response from your face, so I'll just move on. Thanks for You're still getting absolute (laughs) blankness. Thanks for I don't know red or green Adair. Thanks to Ray at Buff Creek. Clayton and so Does does red or green Adair have a decent, reliable decky? Oh, yeah, they do. They oh, Red's got a fully reliable team. Green, not so reliable. I'll tell you the joke after we get off air. Uh, Clayton and Sonia from the Tebs. Uh, Trevor, the wheat farmer, Packy Andy. Safety never sleeps. Now, what is it? Safety never, <laughs> never, takes, never takes a holiday. Never takes a unless holiday. It's a, um, unless it's having a cocktail and a rack attack in Bali. <laughs> That's right, or maybe eight. <laughs> the croc wrangling dinghy racing Willow, who <laughs> hold, says fear will only hold you back. Hold it flat and send it. <laughs> Scotty in the TVs and Alan Hunter. Welcome to the f-ing top end, sunshine. Yeah, welcome indeed, Alan. <laughs> Thanks, Dwayne Devaney, to Gary Mundy. Oh, and this bloke too. Shane Compey. <laughs> <laughs> what what's, what's his name now? Captain Kahuna. Uh, yeah, yeah, Captain Kahuna. I hope everyone out at the Clash is bloody well smashing it over this weekend. Catch you next week. And until that time, get a slightly sinister mullet fair up here. Yeah, hold it flat and send it. Tales from the Tinny.